When I started recording last week's episode about white lies, half-truths, and trust, I figured that it's going to possibly take more than one episode uh, right as I was writing the outline. And it did. And uh, let me just summarize what I talked about last week. Uh, Last week, I gave the dictionary definition of what uh, white lie is. Um, I I talked a little about half-truths and and the similarities, really, between uh, half-truths and lies. Uh, A situation where lying is absolute and absolute wrong, especially when you give a sworn testimony and you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And then I shared a little about a short LinkedIn poll that that I conducted on whether it's okay to tell a white lie. Gave a few examples of different circumstances, different situations where we tell white lies and how it's being interpreted by the person hearing your white lie. And in this episode, I'm going to give you the algorithm, in my opinion, of how people consider what you tell them, the white lie you tell them, and whether they can trust you or not. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of the Book of Trust and facilitator of the Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? The first step is whether the person you told that white lie or half-truth to find out that you were lying to them. Did they find out the truth? And obviously, if they found out the truth, then uh, they found out that that you told them a white lie. And it could be a white lie or you just didn't know. We'll we'll go over uh, both cases. So let's say that they didn't. They, They never found out. You know, there are situations where you're never going to find out. And uh, I think really what they're going to focus on is what you made them feel. You made them feel good about something. Again, if I go back to the definition of a white lie, a white lie is not something that's intended to make somebody feel bad. It, It will make them feel good. And if you make me feel good, I think I'm going to trust you more. I think that uh, if I take the symmetry component of trustworthiness, I feel that you're on my side. We're both on the same side. I feel some personality compatibility. But remember, this is all if I did not find out that you lied to me, that, that even though it was a white lie. So if I never find out, I find very little reason why it would decrease the level of trust but there's a big 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 assumption here that they never find out now let's assume that they did find out which is mostly the case and by the way uh it's a risk that you're taking if you're assuming that they will never find out uh it's a risk and uh may not pay off So the other person did find out that 
you told a white lie. Now the question is, were there any negative consequences and how important were they? Not to me, not to the person telling the white lie, but to the person affected by the white lie. So, you know, you didn't tell me something that I should have known. I now know that you withheld that information from me or told me the opposite. That, that's the difference between white lie and half-truth uh, or the other in the other order. If those consequences were not very negative or not very important, does it really matter? Does it really matter to me? In fact... I would be, if you told me the truth, I would actually appreciate the fact that you told me the truth. I, I will probably trust you l more if I knew that you told me the truth. Now, I said probably because there is another way to look at it. Maybe because of you telling me the truth, again, we're in the case where this was not very significant. The consequences are not dramatic. Uh, it's not very important to me. And maybe I will resent you for telling me the naked truth. I mean, couldn't you just lie to me? I mean, what's the big deal? Didn't affect me much. Couldn't you just say, yeah, you look good? I mean, I don't care what other people feel. So not a lot of not significant negative consequences. Not very important to me. What was important to me is that you tell, you make me feel good. So see, it's, we can look at both sides and it depends on the person you're telling that white lie to. No significant negative consequences, not very important to them, but they can look at you as appreciating you for telling them the truth or actually resenting you for telling them the truth instead of, uh, you know, lying to them a little. Now let's take the path of the negative consequences were significant to me. Significant and bad. Or, or are important to me. Maybe they're not significant. Maybe they're not significant to you or to anybody else, but they are significant. They are important to me. The next question I would ask is, could they have been prevented by you telling me the truth? If the answer is no, maybe the attitude I need to take is thank you for not telling me. You know, there's there's significant consequences, and but they could not could not have been prevented. Remember, I'm talking about a situation where it could not have been prevented. So Maybe I will, if you told me the truth, I will appreciate you for telling me the truth. Maybe if you told me the truth, I will resent you for telling me the truth on something that I, I can't prevent. You know, I, it couldn't have been prevented anyway. You know, again, and now we're talking about my father in a hospital. Uh, there are two attitudes here. One of them, I would appreciate my mother and my wife for holding the truth, withholding the truth from me, because there is nothing. Consequences could be significant. There is nothing I could have done about it. So maybe I should appreciate the fact that they uh, 
uh, they didn't uh, tell me the truth, that they held it from me. In my case, it was the opposite. But again, this is personal. I would have appreciated if they told me the truth. I know I could have, couldn't have done anything about it. But I would have rather known than not known. I kind of already touched on this in, in the previous uh, short segment. Um, but if the consequences could have been prevented by you telling me the truth, the question is, would I have preferred to know? Uh, and, you know, believe it or not, but uh, sometimes the answer is no. For some people, the answer is no. You're telling me a, a lie. I would prefer to leave in that lie, even though if you told me the truth, uh, there would be significant consequences and they could have been prevented. Some people would say I would still have preferred not to know. You know, I'm dealing with a lot of other things right now. Thank you for not telling me. Or uh, even resenting me for telling me, resenting you for telling me if, um, if you did tell me and appreciating you for not telling me. So that's if uh, I would have preferred not to know. But if I do prefer to know, then I could appreciate you for telling me when I could do something about it. I know that there are negative consequences significant to me or, or even to other people uh, that could have been stopped or reversed, uh, prevented. And I appreciate you for telling me that because you gave me that opportunity, even if I didn't do it, even if I didn't take that opportunity, even if I didn't stop it. And by the way, here is another thought. Uh, maybe I would have preferred that you didn't tell me because now I had to have dealt with it instead of dealing with other people, with other things. And maybe the fact that you did not tell me kept me focused on something else, and I appreciate that. So this is a more um, situational, circumstantial uh, aspect or, or factor that affects uh, that, do I trust you more or less? So, so I appreciate the fact that you gave me a white lie. You gave me the air cover of, hey, I didn't know because you didn't tell me. Uh, what do we call it? Plausible deniability. Thank you for giving me plausible deniability. I mean, I can probably do a whole episode about plausible deniability. And, and how does that interact with, uh, with the trust? And I probably will in the future. And that brings one last component. And that is why. Why did you lie to me? Why did you give me this white lie? Again, we're talking about white lies. We're not talking about significant lies with dramatic consequences and uh, evil intentions unnecessarily. Um, I mean, obviously, if there was evil intention, uh, then we have a problem. But by definition, white lie does not have evil intention. And... I'm going to give you two options. I mean, one of them is, and, and it's probably somewhere a combination of the two. Did you tell me that white lie or withheld some of the truth from me to make me feel good, to make me feel better? Then 
that is an indication or a symptom of empathy that you feel towards me. And empathy is one of the two subcomponents of positivity that makes me trust you more. If I know that the reason you told me that white lie is to make me feel better, then that's something that goes into the consideration, my consideration of your intention and whether I should trust you more or less. And in this case, it would be more. Or did you tell me the white lie to make you feel better or to avoid whatever uh, uh, you know reaction you're going to get from me? That's the opposite of empathy. That's a self-centered, individualistic approach. And as a result, I'm going to trust you less. And oh, by the way, don't forget that bad is much stronger than good. So even if those were balanced, I would probably trust you less because the impact of you telling me this white lie to make you feel better about yourself or to avoid whatever reaction you're going to get from me or anybody else... um, is much more impactful than the positive side of, uh, oh, and you also considered that it would make me feel good. So the, the real question here is, how do I feel about the balance of these two? I'm going to touch on a few other aspects of uh, white lies and, and half-truths, but I want to first summarize this um, algorithm that I described. How do other people feel about you? Do they trust you more or less? And I think that it kind of boils down to five major um, considerations. The first one is, will I ever find out? That is a consideration. This is this is a risky consideration because if you are telling me the white lie, assuming that I won't, and then I do, that's that's a uh, th- that thing blows up in your face. So will I ever find out is the first consideration. So it, it has to be yes for me to determine whether I trust you or not. The second is how significant or how important are the negative consequences to me? The more significant, the more important they are, uh, the more I'm going to respond to how you, uh, to your decision to tell or to not tell a white lie. Also remember that the significance is to me, not to you. Another consideration is, could those consequences have been prevented should you have not told the white lie? Or if you did tell the white lie, did it prevent me from preventing those consequences? Fourth consideration, would I have preferred to know? So this is kind of the plausible deniability part of it. And the last one is why. Why did you tell the white lie or withheld um information withheld the whole truth from me and this goes to your intention because your intention does play into how i look at you and whether i trust you more or less a few additional points in in that summary is again and and i said that many times trust is relative trust is personal this is also a big part of the personality compatibility we have different attitudes we have different priorities we are affected differently by the same things the same behavior that would cause one person to trust you would cause another one to distrust you this is not absolute or universal 
I'm sharing you with you what are the considerations, but not how every person would take it, because different pay- people would take it differently. Now, I do understand that the level of trust that already exists between us has an impact on whether you're going to tell me a white lie or not. What I found in one of my own surveys uh, a couple of years ago is that you are 106% more likely to give feedback, and we're going to call this feedback when you tell me the truth and not a white lie. You're 106% more likely to give me that feedback if you trust me. If you trust me, not if I trust you, if you trust me. Which, which is because you have to trust me on how I'm going to react to it. And oh, by the way, my reaction to it or the opposite of it, my receptivity is going to go 76% up if I trust you. I'll be more receptive to your feedback. So now we're talking about you, your willingness to tell the truth or tell a white lie also depends on the level of trust between us. Now, if you know that I trust you a lot, it's going to also make it hard for you to not tell me the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, because of the concept of reciprocity, the sixth law of trust. Trust is reciprocal. You're going to feel a cognitive dissonance. If you know that I trust you to tell me the truth, it will make it harder on you to tell me a white lie. One more point before I start giving some uh, special cases. Uh, one of them, uh, and that's that what happens if, you know, the first consideration was, will they ever find out? It's one thing to find out, you know, as we go to a party and I ask you if uh, this dress makes me look good. Again, I do not wear dresses. And you say yes, and you know, within the hour, I'm going to find in the party that it doesn't. The impact on trust is going to be immediate, for good or bad. I mean, again, this is based on the, the whole process I described before. But what if I find out years later, like the tooth fairy, or something else that years, years later, I find out? Well, I think there are two ways to look at it. On one hand, and and they're both driven by the significance of that white lie, the significance of the consequences. If the significance is pretty low, you know, we we already built trust over a long period of time and maybe a, a low level of trust over a long period of time and over other things, other interactions between us, uh, that this is just not going to have a big impact. But be careful because this can break down relationships even if you find out that many 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 years later information was withheld from you and you know as soon as i'm saying that uh the story that comes to mind was another time my father was hospitalized with a heart attack and and uh passed away um we mourned for him and when we were doing that my mother started finding documents from, you know, a month before I was born. In December 64, he was hospitalized 
for uh, what they told him and her was kidney stones. And uh, she's starting to look, my mother is starting 30 years later. 1994, when he passed away, she started looking through paperwork from 30 years earlier, and she's finding terminology of cancer, which she recognized because a few years earlier, she had cancer. A couple of years before, she had cancer. So now she's starting to recognize terminology that 30 years ago, she didn't. And one of our family members that was a relatively close family member uh, was uh, was at the hospital at that time. And my mother asked her, did the doctors ever talk to you? And she said, yes. Did they ever tell you that he had cancer? And she said, yes. And my mother immediately asked, why didn't the doctors tell us tell me well you, you have to understand that in 1964 uh laws HIPAA laws and things like that were a lot looser than than they are today but or or didn't exist but uh as it turns out the doctors went to our uh family member uh not not the close the, the immediate family but slightly broader And the doctor went to her and said, you seem like a very close family member. She said, yes. He said, here's the deal. He has cancer, kidney cancer, not kidney stones, kidney cancer. Uh, She, my mother, is eight months pregnant with me. I was born the following month. He is in pain. Neither one of them seemed to be in a position to take this news. Do you think I should tell them? And she said, no, I'll tell them when the time is right. You would think over the next 30 years that the time would make itself right. That there will be the right time to say that, which they haven't. Now, uh, could we have done anything about it? I don't think so. In fact, a friend of mine that I talked to a few years ago who had cancer... He gave me a perspective I never thought about. And he said, this was a blessing. My father lived 30 more years without having this cloud over his head that he had cancer and it might be coming back. That cancer never came back in 30 years. They did remove his kidney, but that cancer never, they they removed it clean. That cancer went away. So there was a positive in, in withholding that truth. That's not what I felt. To me, it was a breakdown in trust, even though it happened 30 years earlier. When I posted that uh, poll on LinkedIn, by the way, there was one more response since I started recording this episode or these two episodes, uh, and it added to the never. So now 47% of people said, uh, it's never okay to tell a white lie. Hopefully in this episode, I'm, I'm giving you some exceptions or, or kind of what is the thought process. And um, one person responded and, well, a, a few people responded in comments and gave me a few thoughts and ideas, like, for example, bluffing in, uh, in uh, poker. When you're playing poker and you're bluffing. Now, uh, they made the distinction, which which I appreciated, bluffing versus cheating. 
bluffing is when you raise the stakes without really having a strong hand. Okay, so you're bluffing. You're causing the other person to think that you have a strong hand. You're raising the stakes. You're hoping that they're going to fold and you're going to take whatever is in the bank right now. Cheating is something else. Cheating is, uh, you know, generating new cards uh, that are hidden in your uh, sleeve or something. That's cheating. That's that's breaking the rules. Bluffing is not against the rules. So uh, are you telling white lies when you're bluffing in poker? You are. But, you know, the cons- and the consequences can actually be uh, pretty uh, significant. But, you know, when, when you're playing with friends, typically the consequences are not significant. In fact, uh, um, even though you're not supposed to, if, if nobody called your hand, you're not supposed to show them what you have. But sometimes you just show them and everybody gets a big laugh out of it that, that you cheated. Well, you didn't cheat it. You bluffed uh, your way to, uh, to the bank, it typically is not going to affect the level of trustworthiness. Uh, it might, if you're playing professionally, if this is a professional game, but this I, I would compare to negotiations and you'll see one more example I'm going to give here that's even more serious. Remember one thing, and that is, where are you on the symmetry component? Are you on the same side? So what happens during negotiations? During negotiations, I would say you need to also think about what kind of relationship are you in the middle of or are you building? Is this a long-term relationship? Are we negotiating something, but this is going to be part of a long-term relationship? If it is, I think the way you need to look at white lies and, and half-truths is is different than if this is just a one-time transaction. If this is a one-time transaction, we're on opposite sides. And, and the main difference is the other side does not need to trust me. So everything I told you up until now about how you're telling or not telling a white lie telling the whole truth or withholding some of it, uh, telling half-truth, how it affects the other person's trustworthiness, uh, I'm sorry, trust in you or your trustworthiness in their eyes, this is not symmetrical anymore. You are on opposite sides. I don't care whether they trust me or not as a result. I'm trying to maximize what I get out of these negotiations. So when I make this statement, this is as much as I'm willing to go down in how much I'm willing to pay, or this is as much as I can, uh, I'm sorry, this is as much as I go up in how much I'm willing to pay, or this is as much as I can go down uh, when I sell you something. These are probably white lies. They're not the entire truth. I'm probably going to be willing to pay a little more or you're going to be willing to take a little less. But I don't care whether you consider my white lie um, or how it affects the trust that you have in me. Again, if we're talking about a longer term relationship, then maybe I do care. Maybe I do care how much they're going to trust me because this is going to affect the relationship over a longer period of time. 
Somebody else in that LinkedIn post commented, uh, again, I never thought about uh, misleading the enemy. But, you know, I think that misleading the enemy would kind of not fall into the, the category or the definition of a white lie. That's a big lie. It's a big lie because it has significant consequences. And I, I, it's definitely not done to help the other, to make the other side feel better. And, and this, again, would apply to a transactional uh, negotiation uh, session where uh, the consequences can be significant and you're not giving the white light to make the other person feel better about themselves. Another interesting context is when one of your employees comes to you and says, I heard rumors about a layoff. Are they true? Well, the problem here is that you have to balance something else. This is not done in a vacuum. You have to balance the confidentiality, maybe even the legality of the whole process. Maybe by telling somebody you're breaking the law, especially in the context of fair disclosure with public companies. Um, but you are breaking somebody else's trust in you in sharing something with you, telling you you can't share it with anybody else. This situation deserves a whole episode, if not more, by itself. I'm not going to go too deep into that. I'm just going to say that if there was enough trust, don't tell a white lie, don't withhold the truth, tell them you can't talk about that, and for the other person, if they trust you already, that should be enough for them to know that you have their backs. That whatever happens, you have their backs. You're not going to hang them out to dry. In other circumstances, uh, you know, sometimes when people want to give you feedback, they uh, tell you, hey, other people told me that. And this is when they don't take ownership. Uh, I talked about that when I talked about feedback, so I'm not going to... Uh, expand too much on it here but um that is a white lie that again has potential positive consequences you wouldn't have told it otherwise you wouldn't tell you, you don't feel comfortable enough you don't trust the reaction from the other side if you tell them that this is what you think so you may be helping them by saying it this way or they will trust you less because you are not taking ownership to the feedback that you have to deliver. Another example is one of my biggest pet peeves, this whole best-selling author, when people represent themselves as best-selling author, and what gave them the position of best-selling author is releasing a book, reducing the price on the Kindle version to 99 cents, so it's still considered a paid book, putting it in a category that has absolutely nothing to do with the real content of your book, asking their 10 closest friends, maybe even three, sometimes three would be enough, asking your 10 closest friends to buy that book at 99 cents. Heck, I'm even going to pay you back. And because of this unique small category, 
those three or 10 of your friends that bought it in the same day would rate that book as number one in that category. And it might not even be in the US, it might be in Lithuania, which would make you a an international best-selling author. They capture that screen and from that moment on, they refer to themselves as best-selling author. Are there consequences to that? maybe slight and that's when somebody hires you to come and speak or give a workshop to their company and they think that you are a best-selling author as they interpret the the term um you know they may never find out or they would find out and they will trust you less i i immediately trust a person a person who says i'm a best-selling author one of the first things i do because i know of this practice is i would go to look up their books on amazon and see where they rank and whether this is who i call a best-selling author or not and if they rank very low which means they're not selling a lot of books which is the definition of a best-selling author or a best-selling book or any other product i would trust them less I want to also talk about when you are telling that white lie or telling the truth on on the flip side, when you're withholding some of the truth or telling all of it, there are a few considerations on how you tell feedback. And and there's a lot more if you go to the uh, six episodes in the fifth, uh, six off the episodes in the fifth season, uh, when I talked about feedback, feedback and trust, the consistency of your body language you know when you say the lie does your body language support it or does your body language tell the other person that you're lying even if it's a white lie and did you deliver it in person or you know hid behind i don't know a text message Did you do it in front of other people? Did you do it at the right time, at the right place? Those are all considerations that would affect how the other person looks at you and whether they're going to trust you more or less or the same as a result of telling them the white lie. This is the end of all the examples and and my analysis of how other people look at you and uh, decide whether to trust you more or less or the same based on you telling a white lie or withholding part of the truth by telling half-truths. I hope that what you got here is that trust is relative and the same thing that could cause one person to trust you or trust you more would cause another person to distrust you or trust you less. And the only way to know if you should tell that white lie or not, if you're considering the level of trustworthiness that you have in the eyes of the other person or how it would affect the trust that they have in you, is to ask or to get to know them better. Because everybody's different. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, 
or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.